Hiya, it's Emma from the Jack FM News team, bringing you the latest on the coronavirus pandemic in Oxfordshire. And this week, there's been some huge news coming out of Oxford. Scientists in the city have been celebrating a major breakthrough after finding a drug to treat certain coronavirus patients. Dexamethasone is a commonly available steroid and has been found to reduce deaths by a third among those patients in hospital on ventilators. It's now being used by the NHS to treat those who are critically ill. And the Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he's confident there are enough stocks of the steroid to help save lives. This drug can now be made available across the NHS and we've taken steps to ensure we have enough supplies even in the event of a second peak. Researchers reckon a course of treatment for eight people seriously ill with COVID-19 will cost £40. Also this week, the shops have reopened in Oxfordshire. That's because the government said non-essential ones could open up in England on Monday as long as COVID-19 safety measures are in place. I don't know about you, I've not actually made a trip out to them yet, but it's just nice to know that if you want to go, you can. Retailers in Oxford's historic covered market got back to business and shopping sites like Bista Village, the Orchard Centre in Didcot and Castle Quay in Banbury are up and running again. In the Westgate, about 60 shops opened up for the first time in months. Brendan is the general manager and told me the shopping centre will look a bit different, but it's about time we got back to some sense of normality. So we've got lots of signage um, detailing the two-metre social distancing. Uh, we've got floor stickers with um, one-way systems in some places. Um, we've got hand sanitizer, um, you know, on the, the mall areas and also in the shops. And you know, there could be some queuing in, in some places, which you know we will we will enact if we have to do so. So as I say, it will look a bit different, but that's all part of the government guidelines. Um, you know, to reopen. When will the rest of the shops reopen? Moving on from next week is that more of them will open gradually and then we look forward to restaurants opening. So they they will open later according to government guidelines. So we're just waiting for news on that. And then eventually having, um, you know, the cinema, the, the gym, um, you know, we've got something called Escape Hunt, Junkyard Golf. So those things will follow when government guidance allows. And what about the rooftop? Uh, the rooftop um, itself will be open as an area to walk around. Um, of course, there's a lot of restaurants on the rooftop, so um, they will be able to open when the restaurants are allowed to open in the UK. Again, we wait for the government guidance on that. But, you know, it's still a lovely area. You can still take it all in, all the, all the landscaping and those fantastic views. And what would your message be to shoppers? I think the main thing is that, you know, we've got a safe environment. We're following the government guidance. The centre does look a little bit different to normal, but, uh, you know, that's deliberate through the guidance. And, uh, you know, look at our website as well. There are a lot of uh, questions on there, lots of information. So we would urge you to look at the website. Sticking in Oxford City Centre as I caught up with Rebecca from Blackwell's, a booksellers in Broad Street. She was so chuffed to see people walk through the doors again. Opening those front doors at 10 o'clock was just the best feeling ever. I mean, I've been in the shop for the last um, three months, helping send out lots of books to our online customers. And that's great. And you know the book's going somewhere 
to, to the right reader, but meeting our customers again was so lovely. What kind of things were your customers saying? Well, do you know, one of the first customers we had in was a little girl who her mum's actually tweeted it, but it was she filmed her daughter coming into the shop. She was about oh, one and a half, two, something like that. And she ran into the shop, into the children's department, shouting, the books are all here, mummy. So that has to be the star of the show yesterday for one of our first customers. But everybody was just so pleased to be back in. And, you know, we've put lots of social distancing. We've put lots of measures in to make it a safe place to shop, but not changed it to make it different from what people are used to. So changes have been put in, but not to make it a different shopping experience. So everybody was just loving it yesterday. Really positive response from all our customers. How busy was it? Um, Compare it to this time last year, absolutely so much, much quieter, but we haven't got the tourists. It was comfortably busy. So we have a designated amount of people that we can let in at any one time we never quite got to that number so it wasn't queuing but we got close to that number so it was a comfortable shopping experience and it was nice to have people back in and what other measures have you got in place so um we've got hand sanitizers throughout the shop we are asking, obviously, all our customers before they go in that they um, social distance and keep two meters, keep the two meters going. If a book is, if they're browsing books and not buying, we're asking them just to pop them on one of the designated trolleys so they can be cleaned before they go back onto the shelves, uh, and just be very, very much aware that you know customers need space around them. And what's the plan now? I mean, we, at the moment, we've just got uh, a skeleton staff on and we've got, we're only open from 10 till 6. Um, and obviously, we can't give that experience that we're used to. So our events have gone online. They're not um, happening in the shop. Um, but we still are doing a lot of online things. And slowly but surely, we want to build the shop up um, as the pandemic decreases. We want to just build up to where we were beforehand and giving our customers the best experience they can have. But, you know, they were just so pleased to see us open yesterday. And, you know, I've had customers who were in yesterday buying back in today already. So, you know, our regulars are back and that's really nice to see. Rebecca says Blackwells is going to be here for the future. It wasn't all smooth sailing, though. There were some complaints online about Vista Village being too overcrowded and people not following social distancing on day one of opening. It prompted Laura Wicks to launch a change.org petition, saying she was disgusted to see people squash into the street like coronavirus had never happened. Some people on Twitter were more bothered about it being open because it's good for the economy. Others said that people should take some responsibility for themselves. To keep shoppers safe, the outlet shopping centre has advised people to stick to quieter hours and listed a number of shopping protocols on its website. This includes encouraging customers to keep two metres apart and sign up to digital queuing where possible. Chairwell District Council said its staff are monitoring the situation. 
Meanwhile, Oxfordshire businesses are being urged to sign up to a new system which lets customers order food and drink directly from their tables. Jack is the MD of Wallingford-based Speedy Order and reckons it'll help people stick to government guidelines and minimise face-to-face contact. How our system works is you come into the bar or the cafe, the restaurant, you scan the QR code that's on the table and that tells our system which establishment you're in and which table you're sat at. It then brings up the menu and that menu obviously is is instantly changeable. So it's the menu as it is today and it allows the bar owners to change the menu even during service. You then choose your food and your drink, you hit order and that sends your, uh, your selection to the bar and on the tablet at the bar, they then see your order pop up and start making your drinks and, and sending things to the kitchen. Um, depending on how the bar work, they'll either say that your order is ready to collect or um, they'll come and deliver it to your table. So it means you don't have to stop your conversations. You don't have to walk away from a nice conversation to go and order some more drinks. Um, for people with disabilities and mobility issues, it's brilliant because they've got the full flexibility of, of not having to battle through a crowd to get to the bar. Um, you don't risk losing your table if it's a busy place and you've just come in and sat down. Um, and obviously, being COVID compliant, you, you don't have to get too close to people at the bar. Okay. And as well as you mentioned, obviously, not, not having to sort of get close to other people at the bar, what other ways do you think it could help with those social distancing measures? What our system allows you to do is, is really limit the amount of interaction that you have to have to transact in a bar or cafe. So it's not necessarily just going up and, and, and ordering at the bar, but it's also you, don't, you no longer have to queue at the bar. Um, when you're sat there with you, within your bubble, you know, you, you come in, you spend that time in that bubble, sat at that table, and then you go again. So there's, there's a whole raft of, of lessening of interactions that have to happen. And of course, if the bar um, are, are able to, because of their staffing, if they're able to um, come and deliver your order to you again, you know, that can be done at distance and you don't have to go up to collect. And what do customers actually think of Speedy Order? Do they enjoy it? Do they prefer it? Uh, I'm guessing it's not for everyone. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're quite fortunate in, in the business, if that makes sense, that we uh, we have to we are now open to change. You know, uh, the general public we, we appreciate that. You know how we interact at uh, the supermarkets changed, and how we interact everywhere else has changed. So I think people have embraced this as a new normal uh, because obviously they are having to look at new normals. Um, but to answer your question, no, I don't think it is for everyone. And, and I think if a bar is still willing to do a normal ordering process, I don't think we um, we stop that. I think that's still uh, able to be done. But obviously, this is providing people with that option. And, and um, in the technology age in which we're in, you know, quite a few people or the majority of people have, have adopted that. Um, and simply as well, you know, if you're if you've got more time just to sit at the table and, and chat to your friends, you, you know, you've got more time to drink and more time to uh, entertain each other and, and things like that. I think it just makes the whole process a lot more streamlined uh, and a lot more enjoyable for the for the customer. Okay, and tell me, you mentioned as well you've got already a couple of Oxfordshire businesses on board. Tell me a bit about those. Uh, one of them is the Queen's Head over in Cromarsh. Um, they're doing some great stuff, by the way. They're doing takeaway beer and takeaway food at the moment. They're doing you know, some great trade with that. But, you know, they're forward thinking. So we took the idea to them and they supported us at the time it was an idea. And uh, and now they're, they're ready to roll it out as soon as the, uh, the government let them open their doors. Do you think as well, maybe in a couple of years, it could be quite normal that you go into a restaurant and you use a system your system or, or something similar 
Absolutely. I mean, let's look at the contactless payments. You know, that that came in a few years ago, uh, and now people pay for things on their on their watches. You know, so I think the embracing of technology within the ordering process is absolutely going to be the new norm. Um, and and whatever businesses and, and companies and technology companies can do to make that process easier and more streamlined, it's, it's got to be the way forward. The self-order system works through a free app and two local firms have already started using it. It's not just shops that have been allowed to reopen. Zoos and attractions can too, as long as the correct safety measures are in place. Fairy Tale Farm in Chipping Norton is one of them. They had to launch an emergency appeal back in April when it suddenly shut and lost all of its income. Here's Nick Lister, the owner, speaking to Joe from News about how well it went as they gear up to reopen to the public. We were pretty amazed, really. We got all, almost £5,000 uh, people donated to us, which was pretty much what we needed. So uh, that allowed us to keep our animals fed and cover all the other sort of animal care costs. We, we ring-fenced that money, so that got, that got the animals through. Uh, so we've been able to, uh, we've, unfortunately, we've um, we had to furlough all our staff and the family have basically, the volunteers have tried to keep the place running because we obviously we haven't had any visitors at all since the 20th of March. So we've had no income whatsoever. So it has been a, a very difficult time for us. So we're going to change the way we operate the site. So we're going to have a, a one-way system. We're putting screens in, you know, to protect our staff. We're putting various hand sanitizer stations around the site and making lots of other changes that will allow us to allow people to visit safely and obviously fairy tale farm it does welcome absolutely everyone but i know that you do also welcome visitors that may sort of have extra needs or disabilities and i wondered whether that maybe made things a little bit more challenging for you in terms of the government guidelines that you have to implement it does and that's been the main reason why we've incorporated a one-way route around the site because um, we don't think that if, if, unless we have a complete one-way system, we don't think that, that it's going to work. And we're also, um, because a lot of our visitors are, are disabled, we, do, we are significantly limiting the number of tickets available so that the place isn't crowded. So we're running at about 20, 25% of our normal um, capacity. So, and we're also asking people to book slots, arrival slots, so you can't just turn up. You have to buy a ticket online, but you you have to book your arrival slot. So they're in 30-minute bands, and that allows us to make sure that there's a general flow of people coming through, and we don't get any peaks that uh, could cause congestion. So everybody ha- could have some space. But the fact that you can't quite take in the same number of people at a time, what will that mean, do you think, for your sort of finances over the coming months? Financially, it's going to be extremely difficult. There's two, two reasons, really, for us. One is that um, we're obviously, if anything, we're going to have to have more staff than we normally have to be able to manage all this. Uh, and with obviously fewer visitors coming through the doors, it doesn't make you know, a great business sense, really, but we just feel we need to get ourselves, ourselves open. But the other big problem that we've got looming is that we've got a winter uh, coming you know, in a few months' time. And normally, you know, we would have taken money in through the spring, the summer, you know, the Easter holidays, the May half term, and we won't have that money to, to get us through the winter. So I can see a difficult time, not just for us, but for all seasonal visitor attractions that are essentially facing another winter without having had a summer. What are your thoughts then on the, the two-metre rule? And obviously there's lots of talk again today about whether that should be reduced to maybe one metre. Would that help? It would certainly help us. It would allow us to, as I understand it, from the 4th of July, cafes can open. It would allow us to uh, potentially open our cafe. At the moment, we're, we are running the cafe, but it's on a takeaway basis. So you can, you can sort of grab and go the food and you can eat it in our various picnic areas. But 
I think if the government does decide it's safe, we will obviously always follow government guidance. So until until the government tells us it's uh, two metres is going to be reduced, we will operate the farm on the basis of the two metre two metre rule. But so I think it would certainly help hospitality, businesses, restaurants, pubs and places like ourselves. There are some sort of elements that you won't be able to do at the moment, like the animal petting and the playground, adventure playground. But tell us about some of the attractions that you do still have that people can come and enjoy from Saturday. Yeah, well, they can obviously enjoy our animal area, which is fully open, the Enchanted Walk. And we do have some new attractions. We've got a new uh, weather fairy who will magically tell you what the weather is. Uh, we have uh, a new duck pond with, uh, uh, with an island for our ducks and geese. And we've also got... Um, a new uh, Jack and the Beanstalk attraction. Uh, people really need to come and see that. Like, it's very hard to describe, but it's basically a large beanstalk uh, with a, a cow, uh, Daisy the cow, that you can milk, and it will even moo if, you, if you're lucky. Nick Lewis is speaking to Joe about Fairy Tale Farm there. As lockdown measures are eased, two bus operators in Oxfordshire have launched a new online tool which uses AI to help passengers avoid busy buses. Winter Travel has gone live on the Oxford Bus Company and Thames Travel websites and shows commuters how many seats are available using a traffic light system. Green means there are plenty of seats, amber means you should be able to get on the bus and red is pretty much full. MD Phil Southall says the aim is to support social distancing. It uses a sort of traffic light rag system, a red, amber, green. So um, our buses at the moment are running to reduced capacities of between 25 and 40% of the seating capacity. So if somebody logs on, they can look for each bus route at each stop level, you know, at their local stop, to see if the bus is green, which means that there are plenty of seats uh, on that bus. Um, if it's amber, it means that uh, the bus generally has loads between the lower level and the upper level of our reduced capacity, which means you, 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 you should be able to get on, but there's a risk you can't. And the red ones will indicate to you that they are operating at the, the upper limit, so therefore it's unlikely you'll be able to get on those buses and therefore may have to spend longer at the bus stop. So it really allows our customers in, in advance of their journey to just have a look and see which buses they are more likely to be able to get on at the quickest. How was the concept actually created? Well, we had to, to do this in, in, in quite a rush, as you can imagine. Uh, this, is a, this is a fast-changing uh, environment. But, but really, we felt that we wanted to build our customers' confidence to return to, to public transport in, in what are these difficult times. We felt the ability to be able to see that there was room on the bus without, without worrying about having to stand at the bus stop for, for you know, long periods of time, waiting for a number of buses to come before they could get on would be beneficial in helping to restore that confidence that people can come back and travel with us as soon as they can. How has it been since you increased the number of bus services? Well, more people did come back to the buses yesterday. We saw about a 30% increase uh, in the number of people using the bus uh, this Monday compared to last Monday. Um, obviously, it is now compulsory to wear a face covering when, when you're using public transport. I don't think that's put people off. You know, people have come back and most people are complying with the, with the government instructions to, to wear a face covering. There are some, some that aren't, but people must remember that those people might be exempt from wearing it because they're either a child or they've got breathing difficulty or a disability. So what we're saying to people is that you should have the confidence to, to come back to us. We have got plenty of capacity on the buses. We want to uh, allow you to use the bus safely. So, so please wear a covering um, and come back to public transport. Uh, it's safe and, and we're ready when you are. How are you finding the safety measures that you've got in place? 
Well, social distancing on public transport is is, is challenging, but but it, it is working very effectively. We're obviously protecting our, our colleagues by having a, a screen between the customer and, and the driver. And, and people are asking, well, why the dri- why is the driver not wearing uh, a face covering? And, and the answer is that it's not being mandated by government because they're already protected by having that that screen in place, and that's part of our, our risk assessment process. In terms of what customers are doing on the vehicles, um, everybody's using their common sense really. They are spacing themselves out around the vehicle. We're not having any instance of buses um, overloading at the moment. We are monitoring that on a, on a daily basis to see if we need to put more services back. So really, I would say it's a tremendous success. People are coming back to use public transport. As I say, there was 25% more people uh, using the bus uh, this Monday compared to, to last Monday. And, and everybody is going about their business and um, returning to normality. The Prime Minister is being urged to reduce the two-metre rule. Would that benefit your bus services? <laughs> Yes, I must stress we want to run our services um, so that they are safe to give customers the confidence to return. But but yes, if you reduce the two metres down to to one metre, instead of our buses being restricted to between 25 and 40 percent of the normal seating capacity, we could probably get up to 70 to 80 percent of the normal capacity. Um, But we do realise that we have to do this in steps. We do want to do this responsibly and we do want to make sure that we don't uh, lose customer confidence in coming back to use our services. So we want to do this when the time is right. Um, and obviously we'll listen to the government advice uh, and hope that hopefully over the next uh, few weeks that will be relaxed to create more capacity for people to travel by bus uh, and everybody can go about their daily business as they once did. And an Oxford teacher is hoping her new book will help parents have conversations with their young kids about the coronavirus. Lucy Moonen from Jericho was inspired by the pandemic to write Simon and Rosie, which is about a young girl and her friendship with a park bench. She thinks it could help other teachers approach the subject too. So Simon and Rosie is a book for smaller children, probably about age three seven. Um, and the book is, I don't want to give too much away, but it's about a little girl and the friendship that she forms um, with a park bench named Simon um, and all of the magical things that arise out of that friendship. And what we've tried to do is to set it against the backdrop of coronavirus so that it allows you to begin to have conversations about it with small children, but in a very gentle way without being kind of directly medical and, and talking about, you know, microscopes and vaccinations and things, because we feel that, that that sort of more medical approach is probably better for older kids. Do you think that medical side of things maybe could be a bit overwhelming and it's trying to find a story that's really relatable, especially for younger children, I suppose? Yeah, exactly. We really wanted to take a fictional approach and to have something that was a story in its own right and, and that was a story that would engage with their emotions aside from the whole coronavirus element. Because I also think that they need to get used to a new normal for a little while. And if the stories that they read reflect that new normal, um, then I hope that it will make them kind of more comfortable and, and calmer with the situation that they're encountering. And I'm guessing a lot of parents have kind of found it a bit of a challenge to decide what to tell their kids, how much to tell them. Um, yeah. Do you think this will be a, almost like a bit of guidance for them and a bit of support in that? Yeah, I mean, it's it, as if it's definitely not dealing with the topic directly, but it does have things like um, it deals with absence and missing people. Um, it deals with things like mask wearing. Um, and we've also included um, on the teacher and parent section of our website a set of questions that link to the PSHE, personal social health education, um, topics for children in key stage one. So 
so it, it can help parents as well as teachers to see what are the sorts of things that are appropriate for children that sort of age to know about and then how can I link them to the story if they want to approach it in that sort of more organised way. Lucy, I think what's really interesting as well is obviously your kind of credentials, I suppose, and your grandfather, because he was quite a well-known, famous author, not just locally either. Yeah, obviously this is such a tiny weeny thing compared with him, but it has been nice to learn a little bit more about the writing process. My grandpa um, was Richard Adams, who wrote Watership Down, um, who, you're right, has a kind of local, obviously, as well as as well as well more national and international fame, because he studied at Oxford. Um, and he would have been 100 in May. Um, so it's quite it's quite nice to be doing this around this time. And I should also say that the illustrator, Gillian Johnson, who's drawn the pictures, has herself um, illustrated or authored more than 35 books. So I'm kind Kind of the novice tool of this um, but it has been an amazing thing to learn about. Was your granddad a big inspiration for doing this book then? Yeah definitely growing up around an author um, well for starters he wrote everything by hand um, even you know even towards the end of his life when he was still writing so he was always sort of in a room physically scribbling away um, and I think that sort of seeps into you and, and and I think I really thought when I was small that it was quite normal to for adults to write and to be writing um, so maybe that's sort of in me in me somewhere but as I say I mean it's a very it's a very small thing um, you know it's just a little picture book but it has been nice to to feel that I've been doing something around his centenary that that was relevant. The book is available at simonandrosie.com and is raising money for NHS charities together. Thanks for listening to Jack's latest viral podcast. We'll be back next week with more on the coronavirus locally. In the meantime, give us a follow on Twitter to stay in the know. Just search at Jack FM News. Listener.